Verse 7, beginning in verse 24. Outreach, not outhouse. Excuse me. That's the title. Praise the Lord. Do you have it in Matthew 7? I'll begin reading there, and you can follow with me in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears, we're talking about hearing and listening, these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on <clears throat> where? The rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against this house, that house, and it fell with a great crash. Father, I pray for our houses, that they would not be our houses, but that they would be your temple, your sanctuary. Let the hearer, Lord God, become a doer here today. And the doer become a better builder. We ask it all in your name, Jesus. May your word fall on great soil. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may take your seats. I've said before in some of my sermons that the last thing somebody has to say prior to their going away or whatever, but the last thing they have to say is usually the, the most important. It has a lot of emph emphasis, or it carries with it a lot of weight, a lot of value. Jesus had just preached the greatest sermon perhaps ever preached. They call it, in the Word of God, the Sermon on the Mount. Okay? If you didn't know what that meant, you better take them awesome classes. Right, Lenny? And we'll, pretty soon we're going to be take, having awesome classes. Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, Saturdays. Uh, on Mondays, my wife and I are going to be teaching, beginning in about three, four weeks. Every Monday, we're going to be teaching on leadership. And you're all welcome to come. Not just the leaders. The leaders have to be here. All right? By hook or by hook. Uh, but it, you're welcome to come and learn. Come and, come and glean from God's word, especially on leadership. Uh, I mean, my wife is a, is a powerful, powerful leader. She's been around a long, long time. She's been leading me. Uh, telling me how to shake hands with the right hand for a long, long time. But she's been with Pastor Sonny and Julie, who are some of the dynam most dynamic leaders on this planet for many, many years. She was like their daughter, so she learned a lot. Okay, so uh, uh, Jesus is just talking here, preaching. He ends his sermon, uh, and he says, listen, listening is not enough. That's the last thing he says in his sermon. Listening is not enough. Hearing is not enough. Uh, you just can't be a hearer only. You got to be a doer of the word of God as well. See, Christ wants us to know that if our listening is to become of any worth, of any value, it has to be followed up. There's that word follow up. Hallelujah. Uh, by action. Action Jackson of a Christian. You just can't be listening. You got you to you get involved in the things of God. Uh, action. Thus, to enforce and to draw and drive home this, this teaching and this parable that he's talking about, this Sermon on the Mount, Christ tells us a story of two builders. 
He gives a little parable there at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He ends with a parable. And parable, remember what it means? It means parallel. Paralleling the, the spiritual with the natural. The heavenly with the earthly. So we, can, so we can take shape and form in our minds and understand what he's trying to tell us. Because his thoughts are not our thoughts. And he tries real good to communicate to us. Uh, it's like us trying to communicate to an ant. But we could do it. And God does it with us as well. Uh, so he wants to drive home the Sermon on the Mount. And this point that he's trying to make. And the first thing Jesus wants to drive home by using this parable in regards to, in regards to not just being a hearer only but a doer as well. The first thing he tells us, okay, is that all who hear are builders. If you're taking notes, the first thing he tells us is everybody that hears is a builder. Everybody. Whether you want to or not, or you, whether you like it or not. Whether you got your Joe Mays construction license or if you don't. Uh, you are a contractor. Jesus is giving you his license for you. Then he goes on, Christ does, and he divides these builders, everybody's a builder, into two classes. The wise and the foolish builders. See, Jesus often did that. He divided people up into groups. Uh, the sheep and the goats. He, would, he always would divide people up into two groups. Uh, because there's only two destinations. Heaven and hell. Saved and unsaved. See, the wise is building his character. That's what the wise builder is doing. He's building his character, his integrity, okay? His, if you will, his soul home. A temple from which he or she will spend eternity from. Did you hear what I said? We're building a temple in our lives of which we will carry off on into eternity. Let me just tell you something. It wasn't in my notes, but covet not just the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit. Because the, the, the gifts of the Spirit, you're going to leave here. You're not going to have to speak in tongues when you get to heaven. You're not going to have to discern. And now you're going to know even as you are known, the Bible says. But the fruit of the Spirit, you're going to take with you. Love, joy, peace, happiness, long-suffering, long-sermons, and all that stuff. Hallelujah. Oh, is that that's the ten gifts? Oh, no, no, there's only nine. I was trying to put in ten gifts. The long-suffering, the long-sermons. Praise the Lord. Uh, but you're a wise master builder. That's why you come at 9 o'clock. You know i got to finish by 11. Hallelujah. Uh, man, I shouldn't even give you guys this sermon. You guys already know it. Uh, you're living it out. Hallelujah. We covered the wise guy. N the wise guy. Uh, now we're the foolish individual, okay? The fool also is building a house that he has to spend eternity from as well. Okay? The wise guy is building a house that he's going to carry off into eternity. But so is the foolish builder. See, and the same thing is true of all of us, you and I. We're all building our own homes. You're a homeowner. Uh, you don't need Ed Bullock. Uh, you're, you're a homeowner. Uh, you got your own house that Jesus has given you. Okay? And we build, you and I build, by everything that we do. Everything that we say, everything that we think, every vision that we have, every dream that maybe has us as well. All these things make up the material that we're using to build our eternal house. Because this is an eternal house inside of us. 
And all these things, the things that we think we conjure up, our visions, our dreams, that's the material that we're using. And some of us are building with some pretty flimsy and clumsy material. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us. Don't blame me. All right? That's what he's trying to tell us. Some of you are not building correctly. You're building with a little tin and you're building with a little feather. You're building with a little, you know, flimsy material. Material that will not hold up when the storms of life come. That's what he says. He says, the storms are going to come. And some of your material you're building, you're going to be able to take it. Because of what you're using. See, that's the time or a number of times that you did something that was ill or wrong. Maybe when nobody was looking. Uh, bad material. Wrong material. Uh, let's see what's on HBO. Man, you shouldn't even watch this station just because, just the lettering alone. B-O. Uh, stands for home body odor. I'm just kidding. Uh, unless Fernando Vargas is fighting on the, the card. Hallelujah. Uh, that lie that you told. Uh, uh, so that you wouldn't look bad. Or that time you, you, know, you, you held on to your money. When you knew there was a heavy, heavy need and a pressing need for it from somebody else. Uh, B.O. See, these times, among unmentioned others, are when you're building with bad and shoddy and clumsy and flimsy material. Times like that. You're stinking thinking. Idiosyncrasies. I've told you before what idiosyncrasies means. What does idiosyncrasies mean? How many remember? Cucarachas that live up here. Uh, stinking thinking. That's what it means. Uh, you're building with mad material. I know the man's home doesn't do that. Uh, praise God. But then there's others who are building with fine, strong material. Remember the widow in the Bible who gave her last two mites? Fine material. Remember Daniel? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't bow down to a freight train? Fine material. Daniel wouldn't touch, you know, that, that, that terrible food. So the king said, then you're going to become food to the lion. Ah, and he told that he, he says, that's not a lion, you lion king. Lion king. Ah, because you don't know my God. You don't know my faith is fine material uh, to build with. How about Joseph? He built with fine material when he refused to lie with Potiphar's wife, and that ain't no lie. Uh, she told him, Joe, yo, she's from Oakland, yo, Joe, lie with me. You know you liar. Uh, no, no way, Jose, I'm gone. Uh, still, anyway, any way that we look at it, you and I are building for the ages. We're building for the ages, for eternity. Any way you look at it. So, while the first fact that Jesus wants us to drive home, and he wants to drive home to us in this parable, as he ends and as he, as he concludes his sermon there in Matthew, the first thing he says that we're all building. That's point number one. But the second fact Christ wants to make sure that we understand is 
that all of us will be tested. Fact number two. We are all going to be tested. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer long service from Pastor Steve. Unless you're from the 9 o'clock service. Uh, storms are going to come. Every building will have its testings, its storms, its weather that they're going to have to confront. Every building. And with this in mind, we need to, you know, we need to construct our lives and our buildings not just to face fair weather, um, but for the times and the trials of crises. They're going to happen. They're going to happen. It's going to come our way, moments of, of testings and crisis. We need to build with a vision that all our buildings are going to need to be retrofitted. Because the earthquakes of life will come. You live on the Hayward Fault. You're going to have some earthquakes come. Even at 1.37 in the morning, when you think you're all right. I remember a few, about three Saturdays ago. I'm, 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 I was still awake by those times because I'm getting ready for the Sundays. So I felt that thing. I said, woo-hoo, right on pastor. Uh, here we go. I hadn't felt an earthquake in years. It hadn't hit in a while. I, I, mean, I hadn't felt one. I was, I was waiting for one. Because uh, they're going to come. See, we mustn't build for fair weather only. Are you with me? Understand what I'm trying to tell you. I've told you before, the things that really, really get my goat, that really get me, are spoiled PKs. Uh, spoiled PKs. I, remember, I, did I tell you guys about that? It gets my adrenaline going. Because I, we, 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 we hang around with a lot of pastors, uh, and we see their children, and our children... <laughs> Uh, and, you know, I, I told you, my children know, man. You know, they come and ask me for money. They never expect more than $5. They get more than $5, whew, they run away happy before I take it back. Uh, they're like, ooh, $5, give me five. Uh, they're all happy. Uh, but I see some kids, and, man, because these kids, I know, again, those, especially the PKs that are not multi-talented like their parents are. Especially if their parents have been blessed and they're living real good because God's blessing them. And then you got these spoiled little brats. I mean, kids, PKs. Uh, my wife knows it gets to me because, see, I look at the ones that are not that talented as their parents are, and I know, I know, unless they are gold diggers and marry a billionaire, multi billionaire. They're not going to be able to live the lifestyle that they're currently living in. And I look at them and say, oh, my God, they don't know. Monkey night. Yay. I said, man. Uh, if they don't know how to get along in life, they, I know they're going to have a hard time when they grow up. Uh, because they're getting spoiled. And I can't, I don't like spoiled children because I know when they grow up, it's going to be tough. Life is not easy. And for, you can't live a spoiled life and try and make it, spoiled, spoiled childhood and try and make it in, Christ, in life, Christianity let alone, because Christian life is harder than regular life. Uh, and when I see spoiled kids, oh, it gets me. And not because I don't like them. I love the kids. That's why it gets me. Because I want to, I know what lies ahead for them in life. Mm, the testings, the storms. See, the Bible says, think it not strange when you fall into diverse temptations. Uh, you're going to have some storms come your way. Uh, 
See, in these storms, they're going to occur to everybody, whether the wise or the foolish builders. Both buildings shall be tested. See, here in church, your buildings are only being inspected. Listen to what I'm saying right now. When you're here in church, you're, you're all a building. We're all building. We're all contractors. We all got a contractor's license. We're all building here. But in church, your building is only being inspected. But once you leave this church, sooner or later, all will be tested. You don't get tested too much here in church. If you do, we pray for you, we take care of you. But here, what happens when you come to church, your building is getting inspected. And the Holy Spirit is, as I'm talking to you, he's talking to you. He's telling you, this area, that area, okay, better work on this one. Bad material, good material. Let's get, come on, let's get your material together here. Because when you go out of here, that's when you're going to get tested. Here you get inspected. But if you don't move on your inspection, when the Holy Spirit's pointing things out to you, when you come to the test of life, you're not going to be able to stand. Great will be the fall thereof. So it's good to come to church because you're going to get inspected. Nah. And we want that. We want to find out what's wrong with us. The Bible calls the word of God like a mirror in the book of James. And you got to, you know, all of you combed your hair today, right? Man, if I would have come to church the way I got up, you'd all leave. Thank God for a mirror. Ah, even right now when I'm coming in with having a mirror in my house, I'm saying, do I look like a pastor? Oh, I look like, okay, let me go up there. You know, uh, but man, if I'd have looked, you know, ay, ay, ay. See, because we know we have that mirror. The word of God does the same thing for us. It inspects us, but we got to comb it. We got to put it in place. Yes, my friend, the building of the fool will be tested, but so will the building of the wise be tested as well. That's what, that's what Jesus says. Okay, he said, first of all, everybody's building. Second of all, everybody will be tested. Not just the fool, but the wise individual is going to be tested as well. See, God never coddles. God never overprotects his saints. God is no grandfather. Uh, grandfathers usually spoil you. Those who are going to be grandfathers. Uh, I'm not. For a long time. But I, I'm ready, man, because, you, you, you know, grandfathers spoil the kids. And grandmothers, they spoil. Uh, leave him alone. See? And then right away the kid learns that you've got power over their dad or mom. You, you think they're dumb? Now they're going to come to you. Nah, nah. Oh, you like that name. Nah, nah. Uh, the first thing he learned was nah, nah. Uh, well, the parents got to get him and say, nah, nah. Uh-uh. You come to, you come to Papa. Mama. Uh. See, but God is not, you know, going to divert us from strain and the stress of life. Did you hear what I said? Because he's your father. He wants the best for you. God never promised exemption from conflict. Not at all. Ask Job. God himself. Listen to this. When it, when it came to Job... We all know the book of Job, most of us. Uh, there was never a man so tested in all of this planet is Job. But God himself asked Satan, the tester, you know what God did? He says, hey, have you checked out my servant Job? God fronted off Job, his servant. He didn't protect him. He said, hit it, Jack. Get him. <laughs> you know, see, Job could have contested, 
But in that, instead, he got tested. He could have said, no, God, no, God, no. Uh, he would say, hey, let's go. He got tested instead of contesting. See, irregardless, all of us shall be tested. All of us must build with a view to the sure coming storms in our lives. Build like that. Build like, man, listen, I, I look back on my Christian upbringing. I thank God for the home. Because I'm not lying when I tell you. We used to have Bible studies that would begin at 10 o'clock in the morning and sometimes end at 2.30 in the afternoon. Four and a half hour Bible studies. And I'd heard some of those studies five times because I was there two and a half years. And I'd be like, I've told you before, the, the, the guy would be giving the study and I'd say, he, I, he could be Milli Vanilli. He could lip stink it. I could give the study. I've heard it so many times. I could give it verbatim. Uh, but God was testing me. God was preparing me. Uh, when you're able to withstand the storms. So we got to build with a view to the coming storms. I, I've told you the story, but I'm going to bring it out again here about the two pumpkin farmers. Remember it came October? And there, one was a Christian pumpkin farmer. The other one was a non-Christian pumpkin farmer. And one day they had a big storm at night. Ah, wind chill factor, the whole shot, uh, you know, sleet and snow. And so they got up in the morning, both the Christian farmer and the non-Christian pumpkin farmer. They got up in the morning and the Christian farmer looks out at his plot. He looks out at his field. Every pumpkin, except for two or three, was messed up. Ah, uh, he just had about two or three good pumpkins left. And then the non-Christian pumpkin farmer woke up. And he looked out in his yard, and they were neighbors. And he looked, only about two or three were destroyed. All the rest were left intact. And so their neighbors, the, the non-Christian farmer looks over the fence, and he looks at his Christian farmer's field, all destroyed. And he looks at him, and he goes, huh, huh, I thought your God loved you. What happened? And the Christian farmer looked at the non-Christian pumpkin farmer and says, hey, my God, he's not into growing pumpkins. He's into growing Christians. You pumpkin farmer, you. Uh, really? That's God's concern. He's not a grandfather. Fathers aren't going to spoil you. Ask my sons and daughters. Hallelujah. Did I say sons? Hallelujah. Uh, well, one's from shotgun and one's from... Get off fabulous. Now, just how and when storms will hit, we don't know. We don't know that. But these storms and tests are not all alike. Not every storm is alike. Not every testing is alike. Sometimes a storm can come in, in the form of a great temptation. And that form of a storm can be quite a form. Listen to me, fellas. 36. 22, 38, that's a form. Huh? Really, fellas? And, and ladies come in. Sometimes ladies, hey, you know, all of a sudden the Hulk Hogan you married turned into shrinking, stinking, thinking somebody, you know. Like my kids always say about me, my dad's weight has gone down. It's gone from his chest to his belly. Huh? His weight is going down. Pow. Uh, but 
the temptation can come in all forms. See, a very wise Christian prayer is always, Lord, lead us not into temptation. Because the form can come of the storm in temptations. See, if you and I don't often pray that prayer, uh, then temptation, the hour of temptation comes upon us, we're going to be in for it. We're going to be in for it. God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. See, I mentioned, okay, that I hate to see spoiled kids. But another thing I hate just as much, and listen to me here, ladies. I hate spoiled kids. Well, no, I love them, but I, that's why I don't like them. Because I love them too much. I want the best for them. Really, that's why I, I want the best for kids. But when I see them spoiled, hijo, because I do love them. But another thing I don't like to see are flirts. Let's stay on this one a little bit. I got some time. <laughs> Ladies, I hate to see flirts. Let alone, you know, out in the world. Uh, but in the house of God. And I see it. I ain't stupid. I've been, I've been out there. I know what it's like. I see it. Guys, I see it. And Victor Hayward. Yes, and Victor Hayward, I see it sometimes too. But especially whenever I travel different places, I say, man, I know what that guy's doing with that lady. And you know, she's been saying a long time, he's been saying a long time. Uh, but getting real close and, you know, and hi, and oh yes. I said, he doesn't smile like that to his wife. Uh, uh, not at all. Flirts get to me. See, women, you know when a guy's coming on. Yes, you do. All ladies do. Uh, you know that. You may be flattered, but someday, sooner or later, that man and his family is going to be flattened. Uh, that'll happen. Listen, ladies, if a guy's flirting with you, tell him. As for me and my blouse. And then another thing is when ladies like that come on, like, Cut him, especially if he's married and all that stuff, and especially if he's not married, and you're married. Ah, ay, ay, ay. And the Bible says you cannot heap hot coals on your chest and not get burned. See, but Jesus is telling us in Matthew chapter 7 to be ready for temptation. Plan on it. Romans 6, 11 says, rehearse. Remember that? Reckon yourselves dead to temptation. Rehearse it. That's what reckon means. I've, I've preached that before. Reckon yourself that rehearse what you're going to do when the temptation comes. Uh, that's why I can tell you when, when somebody's, a guy's flirting with somebody and the somebody's going for it, they haven't been rehearsing. They rehearse the reverse. When I preach on the conference, uh, they rehearse what they're going to do when somebody more suave and debonair and better looking than their husband flirts with them. I'm not going to fall, I'll just, my husband doesn't give me enough attention. Yes, brother. You're right. Give him that look like if I hadn't married viejo. You would have been in line. That's not fine material. Ah, that's flimsy material you're building with. 
Look out. Hallelujah. Uh, then, secondly, sometimes a storm may come in the form of some sort of loss. Some bitter personal loss. That loss could be a financial loss where you could go from plenty to penny. It could be a financial loss. Or worse still, it could be a personal loss of a loved one. Someone dearer to you than life. See, I wonder that when those times come in our lives, if we shall be able to say as Job did in Job chapter 1 verse 21, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's my lot in life. Blessed is that disciple that is not offended in me. That letting Jesus call a shot in his life. Uh, Matthew eleven six. 6. Then also in the book of Job, Job's health was very severely stricken. And I've got a sermon on Job called Boiled but Not Spoiled. Because Job wasn't getting spoiled by God. He was getting boiled. He had all kinds of boils. Because God would rather have you boiled than spoiled. Really, he does. Because you're going to withstand the test if you can take those boils. But the spoils, woohoo! They grow sissy Christians, flimsy material Christians. Ah. And what if our health also should be stricken, like, like Job's was? How are we going to handle that? Uh, when suffering will be the order of the day, the week, the month, the year, the years. Suffering, suffering. This, this thing that you've been stricken with. I wonder if we as well like Job will be able to say, uh, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. That's what Job said. See, Job had, was building with the view of eternity as I was laying the foundation of the sermon I was talking about. Lay your, build your foundations, build your life, your house with the view of eternity. That's what Job is talking about. I preached about that last week. Paul says, hey, uh, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. If you go to my funeral, I go be there. My body will, but I'm gone, gone, gone. We need to write more songs about heaven. Un lugar celestial. Some of the hymns that we're singing, I mean, this morning I know my wife heard me because I knew the sermon. When she was leaving, I had that in my because we don't have enough of these songs. Remember the song I was singing, honey? Because I was thinking about this. When the roll is called up yonder. Man, them old time hymns. They used to have it. When the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder. I'll be there. I used to love to hear those old timers singing. I'll be there. Ah, now it's my turn. I'll be there. I'm the old timer now. Ah, yeah. We got we, we to think of the sweet by and by in the sweet by and by. Uh, there's going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet by and by. Oh, I want to meet you over there where way beyond the sky. Such singing you will hear never by mortal ear. It'll be glorious, I do declare. For God's own son will be the leading one in the meeting in the air. 
Man, I could be in Pier 39. <laughs> Just give me the pulpit, my bass, bass drum. Count the cost. I preached about that last week. Paul did. He looked beyond. Don't look just at the here and now. The here and now will overwhelm you sometimes. The problems, the trials. But when you look beyond, you can go through anything. Hook onto heaven. Ah. Man, any way you slice it, Christianity is a win-win situation. Then also, the form of your storm become in a totally different shape. Not just a temptation. Uh, not just a, a, a ill health. Instead of having the things taken away from you, the storm can be things given to you. Listen to me. Uh, it can be blessings. It can be your biggest storm. Not just things that are taken from you, but things that are dropped on you. Wow. I mean, I trip out with people of your type. You know, you know that saying? I know you have to hear the saying. The kid ain't never had it so good. Many of us, because we didn't. Then all of a sudden, uh, listen to some of Pastor Cal's tape who's gone on to be with the Lord. He'd always say that. Uh, the kid ain't never had it so good. Uh, then all of a sudden, all of, you know, you brush your teeth. You have wear a tie. You got a car. You got your championa. Uh, you're all... Beep, beep, you hunk at anything that moves to high sign. Uh, I like those blonde streaks on you, baby. Deet, 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 look at the blonde streaks on my honey. Deet, deet, you're high signing. Uh, he ain't never had it so good. Uh, instead of things being taken away from you, now they're being added. Now they're being multiplied. Uh, see, sometimes success and prosperity can be a tougher foe a tougher enemy than failure and loss. Look at Numbers 11. As I get close to closing. Numbers 11. Beginning in verse 31. This is a very important scripture right here. Numbers 11, verse 31. How many have the NIV version? Okay, watch this. Numbers 11. Verse 31 says, Now a wind went out from the Lord and drove what? In from the sea. It brought them down, and quail tastes good. It brought them down all around the camp to about three feet above the ground, as far as a day's walk in any direction. That's a whole lot of blessing going on. That big time blessing there. That can be your own worst enemy. All, verse 32, all that day and night and all the next day, the people went out and gathered quail. No one gathered less than 10 homers. Then they spread them out all around the camp. But while the meat was still between their teeth, <laughs> I like the way that this guy writes it. And before it could be consumed, the anger of the Lord burned against the people, and he struck them with a severe plague. Therefore, the place was named Kibroth Hatava, because there they buried the people who had craved other food. If you have the NIV, you can jump down to the bottom of the page where it says B. Look what Kibroth Hebrava means. Do you see it? If you have the NIV, it means graves of lust, graves of craving. Uh, and the, God gave them over to their own lust. 
Sometimes success can be your own worst enemy. Oh, I want to have the biggest church. I want to have the biggest Bible study. I want to be the biggest, baddest minister that ever walked the planet, and especially Hayward. Your own lust, your own craving get to you. See, the Israelites were overtaken by too much blessing. They couldn't handle success. They couldn't handle the blessings. So God calls it there the place of lust, graves of lust. We had a pastor in Europe years ago. His church became the biggest church in all of the history of that city. You should have seen the guy strutting come conference time. He was overtaken by his own lust. Uh, the guy, why I have to have a big church? Shut the back. Got to be careful. Uh, he couldn't handle it. Uh, lusted after success in a big church, and he got it, but he couldn't handle it. See, often people like us need to be more careful of this storm, this test, than all others. Success. It can kill you. Prosperity. Uh, Ooh, look at him. Look at her. She bad. See, sometimes our spiritual life is not quite up to par with our material blessings. We're unable to handle it. See, we need the wealth that can outlast the ages. The building that can outlast any storm of success. See, the test of success and the avalanche of prosperity has smothered some of the best. Luke 12, 15 says, watch, be on guard for all kinds of greed. For man's life does not consist of the things that he possesses. Understand that. That's not your life, the things that you have, material things. Again, success can be your own worst enemy. Some people get to the point, my friend, where now, because they're so successful, no one can tell them anything or too much at all. Uh, no, no, no. Look what I've done. No, you didn't do it. God did it. Look what I've done. Uh, man. But some people, you get to the point, you can't tell them a thing. I deal with leaders all the time. I deal with people like this all the time. Some of you are going to go out and pastor, you're going to grow bigger churches than me. You are. You better. I didn't train you right. But you're going to be able to handle it. Because if you don't, and you're growing a big old church, and if you haven't heard from Pastor Steve in a little while, something's up. I'm warning you right now. If you haven't heard from me in a while, something's up. Uh, you better call me. I don't know what for. God bless Pastor Steve. God used him to a certain extent in my life. But the extent does not extend any further. Look what I have accomplished. <sighs> See, success can be your own worst enemy. Where nobody can tell you nothing. Oh, and even worse than that is where you, can, you think you can tell anybody anything. Because you are successful. No, it's not like that. The Bible says, and I am a scholar of the word of God, and I am not only a hearer only, but I am a doer. And I'm going to do doo-doo to you right now. <laughs> Success. Uh, some of us can't handle it. Now all of a sudden, you're talking smack. You used to be fixing smack, now you're talking smack. Uh, some, some, some of your friends are going to say, man, I like you better when you were on smack, bro. Who you think you are now? Looking down on us poor folk. No. 
Oh, so God looks down from the heavens and everybody looks the same. I'm not going to go there, Lenny. Hallelujah. Ah, hallelujah. See, this is a bad place to be. Where you can't be told anything and you think you could tell anything to anybody. Bad place to be. Well, the key to withstand testings is to build your house on the rock. That's what it said there in Matthew chapter 7. Build your house on the rock of ages. Jesus. The Bible says no other foundation can no man lay than that that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. When we do this, it shall be said of us, the Bible says, of our house, it fell not. Because it was built on a sure foundation, a strong foundation uh, of humility. Humility is a good, good brick to build your house from. Uh, how, you know, good perspectives. Check yourself out. What are you building your house on? Build it on Christ. See, we're building a house. God's house, not an outhouse. But some of you don't understand that. And sermons, you should pay attention to sermons like nobody's building. Building. And that's what I meant, proudly building. Because you're building your house. Really, I know how. I'm always like, when it comes to I'm checking out, I'm writing notes. I'm, even when these guys were preaching for five minutes every Monday, I was taking notes on all of them. I'm like, hey, I want to build a good house. They could be feeding me. They were feeding me. Some powerful sermons these guys brought out. Uh, because I, want, I, I don't want to build an outhouse. That's a sad commentary for God. Outreach, not outhouse. We're building an outreach here, a strong outreach. What are you building in your house? What kind of a house are you building? I want every head bowed and every eye closed.